Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry thanks. Christmas, and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> that caller to the Santa NORAD tracker telling the president basically, F you? His name is Jared Schmeck. I think there's a typo. The E should be a U. From Pacifica Radio, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Elsewhere in California, on KFOI Red Bluff Redding, KKRN Round Mountain, KGOE Eureka. In Oregon, on KYAQ on the Central Coast, KSO in Cottage Grove, KEPW in Eugene. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, WLRI, Maui, Hawaii, KAKU, Columbus, Ohio, WGRN, Palinville, New York, WLPP. In Rochester, New York, WRFZ, New Orleans, Louisiana, WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico, KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas, KPSQ, Seattle, Washington, KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin, WADR, Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950, KTNF. And coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing the globe five days a week, usually hosted by Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com. But he's on vacation, along with Desi Doyen. So today you got me. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com. Back in for a few days to guest host the broadcast. And today, well, a roundup, sort of, of where we are when it comes to January 6th. I know you're saying we're just a week away from January 6th. Well, no, I'm talking about last January 6th, the insurrection. And yes, it was an insurrection. And there are two investigations going on, of course, one by the Department of Justice, the other by the select committee in the House of Representatives investigating what happened. The best coverage I've seen on the consequences comes from an old friend of the show, Marcy Wheeler. You know her as Empty Wheel on the Twitters. And of course, she blogs at EmptyWheel.net. And that's where she has what I think is the best coverage of the aftermath of January 6th, 2021. So Marcy Wheeler joins us for an in-depth look at what's going on. But first, as we usually do, we'll start off with a brief look at the news. Now, this is that sort of no man's land period between Christmas and New Year's when there's not a lot of news, except the story dominating the news this holiday season is the same as it was last year, COVID. Appearing on ABC's This Week on Sunday, Dr. Fauci said that COVID-19 cases already at record levels in some areas will probably continue to climb as the, quote, extraordinarily contagious Omicron variant spreads rapidly across the country. He said every day it goes up and up. The last weekly average was about 150,000 and it likely will go much higher. 
The president's chief medical advisor, Dr. Fauci, warned that although Omicron appears to cause less severe symptoms and fewer hospitalizations than other strains, Americans shouldn't be complacent because the sheer number of infections, he said, might override a real diminution in severity. He added that we're particularly worried about unvaccinated people who are the most vulnerable ones. The surge has spurred a rush for at-home COVID-19 tests which are in short supply right now. Meanwhile, holiday travel has been a mess. U.S. airlines continued to cancel flights on Sunday due to surging virus infections among crews, as well as severe weather in some places. Commercial airlines canceled over 1,000 flights on Sunday, both domestic and international departures and arrivals. That was the third straight day of a wave of cancellations that disrupted travel for thousands of travelers. There were 997 flights called off on Christmas Day, almost 700 on Christmas Eve, and thousands of other departures were delayed over the holiday weekend. At least five Republican-led states are now giving unemployment benefits to people who've lost jobs over vaccine mandates, and it's expected more will join that group. Workers who quit or were fired for cause, including for defying company policy, are generally ineligible for jobless benefits. But Arkansas, Florida, Iowa, Kansas, and Tennessee have carved out exceptions for those who won't submit to the vaccine regimens that many companies now require. Similar ideas have been floated already in Wyoming, Wisconsin, and Missouri. Just incredible. In other news, Verdict Watch continues in two of the three cases we've been watching. On Friday afternoon, just in time for them to be home for Christmas, the jurors in the Kim Potter manslaughter case returned two guilty verdicts on first and second degree manslaughter charges for killing Dante Wright, alleging that she mistook her service weapon for a taser. The former Brooklyn Center, Minnesota police officer was immediately taken into custody to await sentencing. The juries in the two other big trials on Verdict Watch resumed deliberations Monday morning. Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's alleged enabler, and Elizabeth Holmes, who faces 11 criminal counts for duping investors and the public over blood testing technology. And despite all the doom and gloom forecasts for this Christmas season, people got all their orders on time, believe it or not, and U.S. retail sales rose 8.5% during this holiday season. It's the highest annual gain in 17 years. As a report by MasterCard showed the rise is fueled by both online and -and brick-and-mortar shopping. All right, see, it's not a lot of news, but that's what's going on. All right, we'll take a very quick time out and come back on the other side with EmptyWheel.net's Marcy Wheeler for an update on how the prosecution of the insurrectionists from January 6th are going and whether or not we need to be worried that Merrick Garland isn't doing his job. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, your guest host today on the broadcast. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. 
please stop by bradblog.com donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com donate. And thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of the Nicole Sandler Show, filling in for Brad and Desi for a few days during this strange week between Christmas and New Year's, a reliably slow news period. So I thought a good time for a roundup of where we are in the prosecution of those who tried at the start of this year to upend our democracy and overturn the results of a fair and free election. Thrilled to welcome back to the program Marcy Wheeler, an independent journalist who writes about national security and civil liberties as Empty Wheel at EmptyWheel.net and and, uh, occasionally other places as well. And these days doing it from Ireland. So um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year and all that stuff. How How are the holidays in Ireland? Um, there's less COVID here than there. So that's nice. Wow. So things are better there. We have one of the highest vaccination levels in Europe. Yeah, I mean, it's just people get vaccinated here. So and people are um, a little more cautious, I think, than they are in other places. So, yeah, there's an ups- there's an upswing, but there's less of an upswing, I think, than in a lot of other places. Well, uh, I guess we take little uh little positives wherever we can get them these days. It's just nuts here. You know, I'm in Florida and our <laughs> governor is more demented than ever. I mean, it's the opposite world nature of things is just crazy. Um, but uh, I was just on Twitter a little while ago. I saw you posted something and I thought, oh, let me check in with Marcy and see if she's available for a end of the year sort of roundup on where things are. Because at EmptyWheel.net, you, more than anybody else that I've noticed, have been covering um, the, the, the progress of the investigation by the committee, the select committee in the House, into January 6th. Plus, the, I guess the prosecutions of the people who are arrested, although we still haven't seen any trials yet. What's happening are still all the uh, plea deals that people are taking? What's going on in the courts for the January 6th defendants? Um, if you want to start there, we can. The, um, we have not seen any trials. And one of the reasons we have not seen any trials is because um, for a felony case, it would have still taken that much time anyway, partly because there's so much evidence. Uh, prosecutors don't think they're going to get all of the generalized evidence to defendants for another couple of weeks. So um, just because everything that is collected has to be available to defendants or else prosecutors might be on the hook for a Brady violation. So uh, we, we, but you wouldn't necessarily see any prosecutions before then anyway, because DOJ has built their felony prosecutions of most people around uh, novel interpretation of obstruction. They basically are saying that the people who walked to the Capitol that day planning to prevent the vote certification or at least delay it, they charge them with obstruction of an official proceeding. And while it's not a crazy application, it is novel. And um, just in the last two weeks, have we seen judges rule in favor of DOJ on that on that application? And four key judges have done so. And so you really wouldn't see a lot of people, ple- a lot of the felons pleading guilty before that because there was still the possibility that the law that they were being prosecuted under was going to be found inapplicable to what they did. I think we're going to see more people begin to enter into plea deals because of that now. 
there was something in the if I if my information is correct, over 700 arrests so far for the people who, you know, who entered the Capitol or went there on January 6th. How many have struck deals so far? How many have had a day in court and have taken a a deal or I'm not asking exact numbers, but, a, a you know, estimate? I'm going to say 100. Okay. Um, And most of those are trespassers, most but not all. I think we've got um, we've got seven cooperators. Uh, I'd have to count to make sure that number's right. Five, six, seven, eight cooperators. Um, We've got about maybe seven or eight felony plea deals. And then the rest are going to be trespassers. So and and the the trespassing cases generally they they now that DOJ has it in process they're generally you know they're coming in and they may get arraigned and decide to plead guilty around the same time because DOJ knows what kind of deals they're they're offering and what they're giving people so that's gonna you know the trespassers are gonna accelerate soon the obstruction felony people are gonna start accelerating soon and you're gonna be left with the people who are the dead enders who really just wanna um, drag things out and causes much difficulty for DOJ on the way to, to, to their trial. So, so Marcy, you have been um, uh, witnessing these hearings. They're not trials, but they're hearings by calling into a phone line, right? That's how they're, that's how the, they're out in the public. Right. The, uh, the party, so defense prosecution and judge all join on zoom and all the court personnel and what have you, but you can call in. So there is a visual proceeding that we can't see as we call in to cover them, but that's how, yeah, that's how I can do it from Ireland. So as you know, auspiciously, I would not be able to cover these cases that closely if it weren't for that, but, uh, but I can. And so I see, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I think I listened to these hearings for different details than other journalists. So it's not that there aren't other people covering it. Um, Zoe Tillman from BuzzFeed mm-hmm. is doing a tremendous job. Ryan Riley from uh, Huffington Post is doing a really good job there. You know, there are others. Um, I just cover it for I, I think one of the things, Nicole, that I have that I've, I've gotten feedback from people who have better reason to know than I do. Um, I, you know, I think I have a better grasp on what, what DOJ has learned about the assault on the Capitol. And that is that, uh, contrary to that Reuters report way back in the summer, which was probably meant to be disinformation, there really was, um, a fair amount of cooperation among the leaders of the attack. So people like the Proud Boys. And what they managed to do is um, launch the first attack from the west side of the Capitol and then launch multiple prongs via different entrances of the Capitol, the most important of which, from an evidentiary standpoint, is the east front facing the Supreme Court. And the reason that's the most important is because that's where members of the Oath Keepers, members of the Proud Boys who organized the whole thing, and Alex Jones all met at the top of the stairs on the east side of the Capitol before, before voila, somebody came and opened the door from the inside and they rushed in. And, um, and so that is important from an evident, from an evidentiary standpoint, because Alex Jones lured a bunch, you know, so basically what happened is you've got these people who have a plan and to accomplish their plan, they need a certain number of bodies. 
And so they do the initial assault on the Capitol and then kind of hold until Alex Jones has brought all of his mobsters from Trump's speech. And they start attacking from the West side. And then Alex Jones literally says, and, and one of the things I love about the misdemeanor cases is these are witnesses. Like they are just trespassers, but some of them are witnesses to key moments. So there's one who, for example, said, you know, we were listening to Alex Jones. I love Alex Jones. Uh, this is from the Northwest part of the Capitol. So already on, on restricted grounds. And Alex Jones said, if we came to the East side of the Capitol, Trump would give a second speech. Oh, and there were, there were probably thousands of people there who believed that Trump was going to give a second speech. So they were easily manipulated to move from place to place by saying Trump's gonna, Trump's going to show up here. And so these trespassers, and Alex Jones and Joe Biggs and the stack, which is the famous, that's how the Oath Keepers got in. They all moved to the East Steps just before it was opened. And, uh, you know, of course, that's important, not just because it shows the coordination between the militia. And oh, by the way, some members of that militia were hanging out with Roger Stone and checking in regularly that morning of the mm. Oath Keepers. Um, but it's also important because Alex Jones is the one that Donald Trump said, lead this mob to the Capitol. And then Alex Jones, who was in, you know, I, I've been told was, you know, in communication with Joe Biggs during the day. Alex Jones then decides to move the mob to the east side of the Capitol. And so that shows a remarkable amount of cooperation. And it shows a remarkable amount of cooperation with people who are really just one or two degrees of, of separation from Donald Trump. That's where, you know, like everyone keeps saying Merrick Garland has done nothing. DOJ has done nothing. That's where DOJ is. They got their first Proud Boy cooperator basically the last day before Christmas. They got another really key Proud Boy. Um, they arrested him. He was key to the Western assault and key to moving people to the to the uh, Eastern side for that assault. So they, you know, DOJ, I think in early next year, we're going to see a consolidation of the Proud Boy cases and we're going to see my guess is a superseding indictment reflecting cooperation and reflecting what they've learned from these further arrests that lays out what I've just described to you. And, and that's what DOJ has spent a year doing. It spent a year not just understanding what happened at the Capitol, but collecting, you know, arresting that trespasser that I just described to you, who is a key witness against Alex Jones, who is a key witness to the fact that before Alex Jones invented this excuse that he was going to go de-escalate the east side of the building, uh, Alex Jones instead moved people to the east side of the building, which was the mob that he purportedly was going to de-escalate. And oh, by the way, DIJ has already or argued that he didn't do so. He went there and he started chanting about 1776. That's where DOJ is at. Um, and that's what that's all visible. That stuff is visible. That's what we know they have already done. Um, and then that's before you get into what what like. So at least two of the Oath Keepers who are cooperating were in touch with Roger Stone in one or another place. What have they told prosecutors about their communications with Roger Stone? Um, another one was following an Oath Keeper down the hallway as he went to hunt down Nancy Pelosi. What did he tell prosecutors? There are a couple of other cooperators that um, aren't public or aren't as public, and we don't know what they've told prosecutors yet either, but that's where DOJ is at. And then you've got Jan 6, and they're kind of working from the top down, and they're really not that far apart, Nicole. 
Really? So you're not you're not impatient with or frustrated with the DOJ and and uh, Merrick Garland's um, movement on this? You think they're they're doing it methodically and and well, understand that they are working from the crime scene. Mm -hmm. So they did not sit down on January 7th or on March 12th when Merrick Garland came in or in April 23rd when Lisa Monaco came in um, and say, we know Trump committed a crime, so let's start there. What they did is start with the crime scene and work their way back. Okay. And just as an example, um, you know, a lot of the attention that the January 6th committee is focusing on is what Trump did with Mike Pence, right? Mm -hmm. There's good, like Mike Pence's associates have cooperated with that committee and they're horrified by what Trump did to Mike Pence. Um, and we're seeing a lot of details come out in the press and the Willard knew that Pence wasn't going to do what they wanted to do. And John Eastman went to Trump and said, do this. And then Trump went back to the Willard and said this. And, um, you know, that's where the January 6th committee is getting. But one of the interesting things is in at least three of the cooperating witnesses, they focus on Pence. They focus on like the proud boy who flipped right before Christmas. His um, statement of offense is like the reason we trespassed, he said. And I'm I'm this is not a quote. Right. Paraphrase. You know, he explained we intended to disrupt the vote count. And the reason we trespassed, so he never went in the Capitol, but the reason we trespassed is we thought it would be more persuasive or more intimidating to Mike Pence and others who were in the Capitol that day if we were doing it from the Capitol steps than if we were doing it outside the restricted area. So that's the kind of story. And then Gina Bisignano from uh, Southern California, she, you know, she described early, like she described being at the Trump rally and saying, we know Trump is going to betray us. We have to go after Trump. These people, I mean, uh, we know Mike Pence is right. going to betray us. So these people are, are um, there's, there's another cooperator who his statement of offense describes walking to the Capitol and learning on the way to the Capitol and my guess is he learned via a Trump tweet. And my guess is that they have this on GoPro video, but they learned along the way that Trump, that, that Pence had quote unquote betrayed them. And then as soon as they got to the Capitol, they immediately, you know, they, they, the two people he is cooperating against assaulted cops and by assaulting cops got into the, um, got into the Senate floor. Right. Right. So so what you're seeing among cooperating witnesses, or at least some of them, is is that the targeting of Mike Pence worked. Their understanding of their goal that day was Mike Pence. And so, again, you're not very far. What January 6th committee, what what Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney are discovering in in their committee work going from the top down is really, really, really not that far apart from where D DOJ is from the bottom up. I get, and they're um, just getting it from different places. So the, the proud boy that you're talking about is Matthew Green, right? And so yeah. what, what was he given a sentence? Was he, do we know what he was charged with? What deal he took? Um, yeah. So the deal that cooperators are getting when you break, when you do, when you do a certain amount of damage to a government building, a thousand dollars is the cutoff. Um, that's a crime in and of itself, but it is one of the crimes that, according to domestic terrorism statutes, can carry a domestic a terrorism wow. enhancement. Uh -huh. So the the deal that DOJ has given to virtually all the cooperators, with one exception that I know of, is um, we have you on the hook for doing a thousand dollars of damage to the Capitol. I mean, Gina Bisignano 
for people who may not remember is that is that salon owner from uh, Southern California. <laughs> okay, I know it. Yep. Gucciier, I forgot what it was, and her eyeliner yep. ripped after she got after she got tear gassed, and she um, so that woman um, broke a window. Like we, you know, we see the video. She's participating in using some kind of battering ram to break a window. Damn, she's on the hook for that terrorism enhancement. And so she pled guilty back in August. And they took that off the table. And for her, the plea deal isn't actually that nice. And I'm, I'll be surprised if she gets through without, you know, violating the terms. But um, for her, everything else is still on the table, like huh. um, uh, civil disorder and, and trespassing and obstruction. So everyone is pleading guilty to that obstruction charge. The one that I said was taking DOJ some time to convince judges. Um, but the Oath Keepers who plead, Matthew Green who pled, they like Matthew Green was named in a conspiracy with Dominic Pizzola, who's that very charismatic guy with long hair who broke the broke the window with the with the riot shield. Right. Like, you know, sort of. So he was one of the three, one of the two guys named as a co-conspirator of him. So he was he was on the hook for the very first broken window of the Capitol. And by pleading guilty, he's off the hook for that now. Huh. He, he's just got, uh, you know, so he's working. Um, down from what might have been a terrorism enhancement, so 20 years, he's working down from that to 41 to 51 months. Uh, and then if he cooperates, he'll significantly lower that. And and you're going to see more people, I think, take that deal in the days ahead. Again, because as judges rule that obstruction is going to hold up, people have less uh, less incentive to hold out. Um and so you you asked, and I, I think it's really important for me to include this. Do I think, am I impatient with DOJ? No. There are a lot of people out there who are sowing frustration mm-hmm. with, with Merrick Garland. And I promise you, Nicole, not a single one of them has done the homework to understand what DOJ is doing. Like most of them haven't even figured out what I told you about obstruction until at, at most recent, like, October and most of them more recent. Most of them are like, "Wow, Liz Cheney said it's obstruction. What a novel idea!" And I'm like, "I yelled at you all in August. I mean, how many times have been on the right. show? Telling I know, you that, right? Yeah. Nicole, they That's why I keep show. asking you. Um, yeah. And so these people are. I mean, they may be great lawyers, but they are incompetent to talk about what the what the investigation looks like. They're not talking about, for example, the known investigation into Sidney Powell. They're not talking about the fact that it took until July to prosecute Tom Barack, which was a which is a Mueller referral that was all wrapped up in July of 2020. But it still took seven months after Merrick Garland came in to prosecute him. Um, And and Garland did like Garland didn't back off prosecuting Trump's biggest donor. Um, There's the Rudy Giuliani thing. People have forgotten that in April, like literally the first big decision that Lisa Monaco did after she became deputy attorney general was to raid Rudy Giuliani. Right. We remember that. And then, right. Since that time, they have been doing a privilege review of his phones. Mm. Um, And we should in coming days, see some debates over whether stuff is actually privileged. That's where we're finally at. I mean, he's, DOJ has gotten some materials from his phones, but like we're, we're going to finally see parts of the debate on that rolling out in the days ahead. But what people don't understand, I think I'm the only one who's written this, is that the scope of time for which DOJ is getting the privilege review is not the scope of the known warrants targeting Rudy Giuliani, which is uh, May of 2018 until 
December, basically the end of 2019, the scope of time for which they are getting privilege review is uh, January 1, 2018 through the raise. So through April 21st of 2021, meaning it covers the entire time in which he was helping Trump obstruct Mueller. Mm -hmm. And it covers everything he did in the lead up to the coup and the aftermath. Right. And um, and so I would at this point be surprised because there's probable cause. I mean, DOJ already had probable cause to get warrants for both of those things. I would be surprised if the stuff that comes out of that privilege review isn't used for both of those. So when people say if they were going after one of Trump's top associates, we would know. Ask them, say, tell me what they're doing with Rudy Giuliani's phone, because unless you know that, then you are not competent to say that they that you, that they haven't gone after one of his top, top associates because they're sitting on Rudy Giuliani's phones. And Rudy right. Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, uh, you know, on top of Roger Stone, I mean, I expect we'll find ties between Flynn or between Sidney Powell and top leaders. You know, the the ties between other top people and the rioters are one or two steps removed. Um, but we know Alex Jones was in touch with them. We know that Roger Stone was in touch with them. And we know that Rudy Giuliani was in touch with them because he posted <laughs> right. to Twitter this uh, this text from somebody who was talking about named rioters. Um, and so uh, so DOJ is closing. I mean, and, and the other thing, again, uh, that people don't talk about is DOJ has already I mean, did you know this, Nicole? Yep. Did, did you know that DOJ has already arrested two Alex Jones employees? No, I did not. Okay. Yeah, they did. They arrested a videographer of his back in the summer. His name is Sam Montoya. And then they arrested Owen Schroyer in August. Okay. And so Owen Schroyer is challenging his arrest on First Amendment grounds. And it's actually an interesting debate. The, the judge in the case took it altogether too seriously, but this will be an interesting test on whether somebody who, as Schreier did, instigated the crowd, um, how they, I mean, he's not even charged with obstruction. My mm. guess is that he's an interim step to get, a, get to Alex Jones, but he's going to be a test of how and whether DOJ can hold somebody like, if you can't hold Owen Schreier accountable, you can't hold Alex Jones accountable. Um, and there was, there were extenuating circumstances with Schreier, which made it easier, but like those, um, and then Montoya's case got delayed sometime, and those are those delays are always interesting because it means sometimes means that DOJ found extra evidence that you did something illegal, and they're trying to you know they're, they're making a deal or what have you. So yeah, like Alex Jones is literally the pie piper of, of insurrection. He is the one that Donald Trump said lead this mob to the Capitol at precisely the time that Alex Jones' former employee Joe Biggs was unleashing the attack on the Capitol. Wow. This is not that complicated. uh, What you need to know is Joe Biggs, Alex Jones, Donald Trump, those three people, they get you there. The question is, can you get to Alex Jones and through Alex Jones, can you get to Trump? Um, That's what, that's what DOJ has taken a year to do. I see. And, and the thing is what we're hearing are just tiny little drips and drabs. I mean, we know that Roger Stone, for instance, was called by the January 6th commission. He went and pled the fifth and didn't say anything, but we're not hearing what, what DOJ is doing. There are two separate uh, investigations running basically concurrently, right? And we should assume that they, there is a high deal, degree of deconfliction going on, meaning we should assume that before the January 6th committee takes a step, 
that they go to DOJ and says, can we take a step? This is we know Mueller did this, for example. Okay. And DOJ may say and may have already said, I mean, um, the Guardian this morning said that a Rudy Giuliani subpoena is finally coming um, from January 6th. Um, But DOJ may have said, we don't want you to subpoena Rudy Giuliani until we unveil a warrant against him for January 6th, for example. Um, Ali Alexander is somebody else who's very interesting. So Ali Alexander, right, he used fronts to get um, permits for protests at the Capitol. But each of the protests was only authorized for 50 people. And when Alex Jones moved his mob from the west to the east side, he said, we've got a permit over there. Let's go over there. But he didn't go to where they had a permit. They never used the location where they had a permit. Instead, he went to the top of the stairs where the doors were about to be opened. From Um, the inside. Yeah. So Alexander, of course, is a key person. Ali Alexander was bragging about it. Ali Alexander has ties to, you know, he was in direct tie to members of Congress, um, people like Mo Brooks and Paul Gosar. And Ali Alexander, um, I, you know, he's another person I would be shocked if DOJ weren't, for example, investigating him for things like wire fraud, um, mm, his employees, mm. his employees used fronts to get multiple pa- to, to hide the fact that his organization was the one that was getting multiple. Um, but this is the kind of thing that you can do with subpoenas to banks. Right. Uh, so Ali Alexander went before the January 6th committee and testified for seven hours Uh, Interestingly enough, Ali Alexander, for that hearing, went with a guy named Paul Kaminar, uh, who is a lawyer that was very key to Roger Stone's attempts to cover up in the in the Mueller investigation when when. So so this is a guy that Stone uses for his aides who are trying to cover up something. And so Paul Kaminar, seven hours. But we know Ali Alexander did exactly the same thing that Roger Stone and Michael Cohen and everyone else who lied to Congress for the Russian investigation did. He released his statement ahead of time. Right. He gave it to the New York Times. The New York Times got it or what have you. And his statement made the very same claims that Owen Schroyer made. Owen Schroyer is the is the Alex Jones employee who was arrested about about the excuses they had because Ali Alexander was right there with Schroyer and 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 Jones uh, and Alex Jones. So they moved from the west east. Okay, and Mm -hmm. Ali Alexander was there when he when Jones said, we've got a permit over there. And as they moved to the east side, Alexander didn't say, hey, our permits out there where the cops are pointing to us to go to drag the crowd away from the building. That's where our permit is. Uh Instead, Alexander just walked, you know, there's this, there's this wonderful moment in a court filing where they have a picture of, of Schroyer, Alex Jones and Ali Alexander stepping over a do not cross sign (laughs) uh, Uh to say, you know, I think here's some proof that you knew you were in a restricted zone. And so Ali Alexander told a story that had already been debunked by DOJ, told a story that they were trying to de-escalate the mob when DOJ had already debunked that in an Owen Troyer, uh, in in an Owen Owen Troyer filing. So that, the, the, the outcome of that Owen Troyer challenge will be interesting. There really doesn't seem merit to it, but the judge, you know, this is the, this is where you're going to slow down a bit because you and I don't know Owen Troyer, but 
he's he's a frother, right? He is a, he's Alex Jones 2.0. Right. And so when you arrest somebody who can claim to be a media figure, you want to um, get your ducks in a row. And so that's where we're at. Um, Ali Alexander did what Roger Stone did that got him prosecuted, which was tell a story that was probably um, embellished, <laughs> embellished to the to Congress. And I and I would say um, Congress knows more this time around than the committees did on the Russian investigation. Uh-huh. And I will also say this. I mean, Liz Cheney is a horrible person and has done, you know, like her father may rot in hell. Yes. But his, but her father was the best bureaucratic genius of the last half century mm. in D.C., in my opinion. Right. Like okay. when that's why he was so dangerous as vice president, because he knew how to get things done. And he gave that legacy to very few people. David Addington is one. Scooter Libby isn't going to work in government again. But Liz Cheney is another one. Mm-hmm. And Liz Cheney is sitting there on the January 6th committee. And this is what I think is delicious about it. Um, Cause she's a, she's smart. B this is her career. Like if this doesn't succeed, she's over. Right. Let's see. Um, her father, remember in Iran Contra did the same thing. He was in the same position she was for a select committee investigating Iran Contra. Huh. And in Iran Contra, he completely screwed over the DOJ investigation. Like he was responsible. He gave everyone immunity and therefore the DOJ investigate, you know, like all these people got off. And so what we're seeing, hopefully, is Liz Cheney implementing the lessons learned from her father and doing the exact opposite, becoming the perfect foil for DOJ, be, you know, providing, teeing up stuff for DOJ. So, I mean, just just as an example, like um, and I don't want to short Benny Thompson on this because he's done a tremendous job. Right. And they're working very well. But like. The, the report that they gave to DOJ for Mark Meadows, the January 6th committee, uh-huh. everyone's like, oh, you know, maybe he'll be held in contempt. It's not about contempt for Mark Meadows. Um, it may be about contempt for Steve Bannon at first, but it's about providing enough evidence that came from voluntarily disclosed records in that report for DOJ to get probable cause to get warrants on Mark Meadows. Mm-hmm. Right. What what is happening is that the House investigation has a better claim to get to executive privilege documents. They are going to be viewed less threatening uh, for journalists, for First Amendment, for anybody who's got a, uh, a First Amendment claim. They've already started going after their colleagues. Mm. They can get beyond the speech and debate protection that DOJ might stumble on further down the road. And so what people, I mean, especially on executive privilege, what happened is in July, Merrick Garland issued his contact order, basically saying from this day forward, you know, Biden will hear nothing about any criminal investigation in in DOJ. I mean, he wasn't anyway, but, Mm -hmm. you know, he kind of set that line in the sand. And then the next day he said, hey, Joe Biden, um, can you make a privilege waiver for all of these DOJ people who were part of the coup for basically Jeffrey Clark. Right. And and Biden did that. And then shortly thereafter, the January 6th committee made their privilege waiver request to Joe Biden and Joe Biden uh, waived that. And we're you know, so the D.C. Circuit has 
ruled Trump's uh, request to intervene to be bogus. We'll see what the Supreme Court does. Right. Again so in now the days ahead. we just that just made news, I think, on Friday that Trump now is calling on the Supreme Court to rule on this because he's exhausted every other avenue. Right. All that's left and, is the court. And then if and then if that fails um, and, and what he's asking is for for um, to hold up the process, like he'll still be able to appeal and the appeal is still going to be meritless, but um, it's still unlikely to be upheld. But he's asking for the Supreme Court to prevent anything else from happening. And even this Supreme Court, it'll be surprising if they do that. And if they don't, then the House is going to start getting all of these things that Trump tried to prevent them from getting. Um, Mark Meadows's claims, everyone else who is suing, their claims are going to be far weaker. Um, and then if the House finds evidence of crime, if they find evidence, for example, that Mark Meadows, while he was cooperating, was hiding stuff from them, if they find evidence that uh, John Eastman, while he was trying to cooperate, you know, like if they find evidence that Ali Alexander lied to them, then that's going to go right to DOJ and DOJ will get stuff that has had privileged already waived. Hmm. One of the problems Mueller had was what, do you, you know, like Trump kind of um, waived privilege for the investigation. But then Barr said, well, we don't actually have privilege waivers for anything else. We can't give it to the House. This we've done the opposite. There's no promise it's going to succeed. But understand that like tactically, this is an important thing to have happened. And so while everyone is out there going, oh, nothing's happening, there's been a lot happening. They're just not watching closely enough to notice. Gotcha. Well, that's and that's why we keep coming to you, Marcy Wheeler. Um, So there is progress being made. Now, let me ask you this. There's a concern, obviously, from those of us out here on the peanut gallery that the Democrats may lose the House next year Um, if they do then this house select committee ends goes away. it goes yeah. away but the do right but the doj investigation continues at least through the uh november through the election 2024 right as long as biden's in the white house yes yeah i mean i would expect depending on whether republicans win one or two houses i would expect jim jordan in charge of whatever committees he's running to <sighs> you know start impeachment and start blah 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 um, I, you know, again, I am not promising this is going to work. Right. This is the thing. Due process takes a lot of time. And um, again, the people who are who are ginning up discontent on Twitter are wrong. I mean, they're, they're saying, oh, you know, the coffee boy was already arrested and he was cooperating by this time. That's mm-hmm. false. Like yeah. it's still another two and a half months before we're at the point where the coffee boy pled guilty in the Mueller investigation, in the Russian investigation. And even then he wasn't cooperating. Right. Whereas, you know, at this point, we know of three or four people who are one degree away from who are, you know, who can cooperate against Trump associates who have already flipped. Um, we know of two oh, two um, Alex Jones employees who've already been arrested. We know of other people who are key organizers who've been arrested. And so um, but it takes a lot of time. And so I can't promise it's going to work quickly enough. What I can say is it's not for want of trying and it's not for want of things that are happening that the people who are sowing the discontent actually don't know about. Hmm. Right. So let me ask you this, Marcy, if, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that we should know if we're not following it as closely as you are, obviously that we need to know at this point to either make us 
uh, feel a little better about it or should scare us? No, I mean, I don't want you to feel better. All right. We're still like uh, people should not feel good or bad about the investigation. People should say, "Okay, I'm I'm sufficiently confident that Garland isn't throwing the investigation that I can turn my attention elsewhere. People should focus their time on trying to um, beat back state level attempts to shut down democracy. People should focus their time. I mean, that's what people I think your listeners can do. Mm -hmm. Those people sowing discontent on Twitter should spend their time uh, debunking the martyr myth that these January 6th defendants are, are trying hard to push because not many people are doing that. I mean, they're claiming that they're being badly treated and it's false. Um, but that's how white terrorists always get off by, mm. by claiming what they're, what they've done is heroic. So those are two things, you know, fighting at the local level against attempts to roll back democracy and fighting against the smarter myth. Um, those are two things that are frankly more important right now than worrying about whether Merrick Garland is doing what needs to be done. Um, but the other thing is that these people, um, DOJ has arrested 700 people. Of that, about 150 are charged with assault. Um, Over 200 are charged with obstruction. Mm -hmm. Many of the rest are charged with trespassing, but even some of the trespassers are people like Owen Schroyer who have key information and virtually all people who are pleading guilty to trespassing are providing DOJ with some kind of cooperation. Like there's a guy who was who was sentenced um, before Christmas, who he was the guy who got the cop busted. A cop told him to delete his Facebook. Right. And that cop is being uh, uh-huh. prosecuted Good. for obstruction. Well, he's the guy who made that happen. You would never know about him. He's just one of those trespassers, right? But like, you know, this, these these trespassers are actually providing useful information. Um, but, um, but, But even with the 150 assault people who've been arrested, there are 350 identified assault suspects who are at large. Okay, there are probably 100 proud known proud boys who were present in some role or another who are at large. Um, There was a guy who was one of the he's accused of being one of the first five people to knock over the first barricade, knock over two cops. One of those cops is still suffering from brain brain injuries as a result. OK, so he's he's one of the first people. And it took him until it took them until October to arrest this guy because wow. it just took time to find him. And uh, he was released because the state, you know, when when these January 6th or so I'm being disproportionately treated, that's not actually true. A lot of people who are charged with assault are being released. He was released. And on December 21st, he was arrested um, drunk off his ass, uh, with an assault rifle and a ton of ammunition in his car. Oh my God. And he had been arrested with two other times, uh, uh, on amphetamines. And so, you know, DOJ is pushing for his pretrial detention, but these people, there are people who were part of the attack who are still at large and are dangerous. And that's what people need to worry about. Not that Merrick Garland is, not doing everything he can do. It's that um, the scope of this is really overwhelming. And uh, and that's where we're at. It's not a good story, but people should stop worrying about Merrick Garland. Got it. And start so, 
start doing other things to try and save democracy. <laughs> Please, like uh, convince Congress to take up voting rights. Also, the 350 or so who you say have been identified but are still out there, have they not been arrested yet because the authorities don't know where to find them? I know in a lot of cases, coworkers, um, acquaintances, even family members are turning in people who've bragged about their participation. Is it a, is it a case of they just don't know where to find these people yet? Um, it's a, it's a combination of things, but yeah, I mean, some people, there are three January sixers at large, um, there are one who fled to Belarus, one who uh, is from like, uh, uh, he's from Florida. His family owns a gun shop. He, he, like a group of his family members conducted this serial assault and he was the worst exposed and oh he's been God. on the lam since January. Um, there's another guy who was arrested for trespassing and then disappeared since. So there are people on the lamb and some of the people who were, char- a, a, there's a higher percentage of felons who were charged with assault or, um, than, than weren't. And so some of them know how to evade arrest or some of them have more at stake in evading arrest because they have criminal records. Others, DOJ is clearly, and this is true of some of the militia members as well, DOJ, um, Having prevented the first follow on attack, you know, having arrested enough people in the days after January 6th to prevent, you know, to get us through the inauguration and get us through other events. um, DOJ, I think, is leaving some people out there for investigative reasons. Like, let's see who else you're talking Mm. to. Let's see. Um, I would assume, for example, that there are people there are Proud Boys who were were left out there to see how the Proud Boys are reengaging. Sure. Uh, same with the Oath Keepers. Right. So right. Um, so there's there are some arrests that people are very impatient to see. And I assume that some of those arrests are coming. But DOJ has an investigative interest. You know, if 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 all you're interested in is that somebody was in the Capitol and by the way, you know, a lot of these trespassers, DOJ is obviously arresting them because they took video in the Capitol that is that is necessary. There, there were parts of the Capitol, like the Oath Keepers walked down a hallway hunting down Nancy Pelosi. There's not good CCTV video that we've seen from there. And so they've arrested, DOJ has arrested a number of people who were there going down the same hallway at the same time with their cameras out filming. Uh-huh. And obviously they arrested them to try and get whatever the Oath Keepers were doing on film. Um, the, the death scene of the, the Ashley Babbitt shooting scene, DOJ has been working on figuring out who bears culpability for that scene. Um, who, who was part of what it, what, you know, again, they broke a window terrorism enhancements who there, I I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, um, consolidated case coming out of that. Well, there was CCTV video of that. But there, the CCTV video doesn't have sound. Right. And to the extent that body cameras have sound, they only collect what's, you know, it's directional. They only collect what's in front of you. And so they had to rest a bunch of the people around there who were filming to find out what their cameras collected as far as sound to figure out what the various people were doing in that scene. Um, and so, you know, again, when you get really impatient with the trespassers, that's what's going on is DOJ is saying, I need to know what conversation happened in that corner of the rotunda and the way to do that is arrest this guy who was standing right next to right nearby with his camera running sure um, right. offices like Merkley's office Pelosi's office 
you know, they're not going to have the same kind of CCTV because they're private spaces. And so, again, they've had to arrest their way to clarity to understand what went on in those offices. We still haven't gotten the main perpetrators for the people who stole both of their laptops. Wow. Um, we've wow. gotten related perpetrators in the Pelosi case, but not in the Merkley case. And so that's that's what goes into this investigation. It's not it's it's not that they're but those trespassers are easier to get. Right. Like if you can if you can see a trespasser who literally just went to the went to the rally and then followed Alex Jones down the road, you don't need to see who paid for his trip. You don't need to see whether he's got ties to Trump people or ties to known militia. You don't need to see what what organizing he's been doing in the interim days. And that those three questions, who paid for the trip, what ties to the militia, what tie, you know, what organizing they've been doing. Those are what DOJ that that explains some of the delay to some of the more serious arrests that uh, that we've seen in recent days. Gotcha. Like, like that proud boy, like the proud right. boy who was key to um, he's a key figure like Joe Biggs in the assault on the West and then moving to the east side and, and breaking in the east side, um, probably even more important than Joe Biggs and pulling it off. Um, he was identified both via Ethan Rodin's phone in January and via researchers, you know, noticed what he had done. So it's been since January that they've been collecting information on him and they just arrested him back, I think in November. Um, And so who knows what DOJ has learned in the interim period, but that's, that's the kind of delay that we're seeing. Wow. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, I could keep going with you because there's a million questions, but I'll leave you. I'll ask you one more. Do you see this eventually leading to Donald Trump. Do you think there will ever be charges brought against him? Because I, everything I hear, it all it all leads to Donald Trump. Um, I think that the the obstruction charge the DOJ has been using from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a piece back in October, so if you want to link it, I'll I'll send it to you. Okay, you can link that'd it be great. Um, it's the one where I told the TV lawyers to shut up and start looking at obstruction. And that's what I linked back to when when Liz Cheney was like obstruction. Mm-hmm. Did Trump obstruct by inaction or action? Um, and and viewers can see that the way in which DOJ has laid out this conspiracy, Trump has already done a lot of the things that that the Proud Boys have done and the Oath Keepers have done, including getting lots of bodies to D.C. Right. Um I think that what he did with with um, Mike Pence uh, obviously targeted Mike Pence. And I think that both DOJ and the January 6th committee are developing evidence that he knew he was making an illegal request of Mike Pence. The lawyer for DOJ that has been doing the kind of brain work for all of this stuff said, um, I think back in November, he said, he was asked by Carl Nichols, who's the judge who's presiding over Steve Bannon's case. Mm. He's a Trump appointee, but he's taking these cases very seriously. So this guy, Carl Nichols asked this guy, um, James Pierce, DOJ lawyer. He said, well, could this basically, he didn't say, could this apply to the president? But he asked, could this apply to the president? And Pierce said at first, well, no. And he said, but, but if, the president, or if the person in question asked the vice president to do something he knew to be illegal, then yes, it could. Uh-huh. So with the way DOJ is approaching it is if you knowingly broke the law 
while you were trying to obstruct the vote count, then yes, you can be held accountable. And um, and, and again, that, I didn't cover that one. That was Josh Gerstein. But that moment was DOJ going on the record saying, here's what it would take for us to charge Trump under the same rubric that we've charged everyone else. Um, the, you know, there are questions like, could you put in the call to uh, Brad Raffensperger? Clearly illegal, clearly an right. Um, could you say that that was part of the big lie leading up to January 6th? I think I think so. This is an area where um, uh, where Devin Nunes has been very impatient, <laughs> not seeing DOJ prosecuted. My guess is that DOJ, I mean, look, the other thing people should know is the DOJ is unbelievably under resource. Like this is so many people. DOJ is 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 taxed. The public defenders and the, the the CJA appointees are taxed. The courts are taxed. Mm-hmm. This is so overwhelming. Um, and so it is reasonable for DOJ to say, so long as Georgia has an ongoing grand jury investigation that we can take confidence in going on into that call, and they do, then that is they can share with us. Uh-huh. They can share information with us. So they can develop that part of the investigation. We can develop working from the ground up. January 6th can work from the top down. We have, you know, we're liberating all of Rudy Giuliani's purported uh, privileged communications. Um, And I don't think Tom Barak was prosecuted off of a Mueller referral. Uh Um, Michael Cohen seems to believe there's stuff in the works and he may know. Um, By the way, Rudy Giuliani's obstruction, the most obvious case where Rudy Giuliani was involved in Trump's obstruction where he wasn't serving as Trump's lawyer yet, involved Michael Cohen <laughs> and and used his phone Ooh. Mm-hmm. and used his phone. So uh, so um, it is possible that evidence from Rudy Giuliani's phone made that obstruction charge easier and stronger Um and there's at least one other case where there is an investigation that was a referral from Mueller that I know is is was renewed in recent months. And so um, so I is Trump beyond limits? I don't know. You know, like I I they're going to go where they get the evidence. Sure. And the bar for prosecuting a former president is going to be very high. But that uh, that August post that I did lays out very clearly, here's how the conspiracy that they've set up. And 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 what it is, Nicole, really, is it's interlocking conspiracies, right? The mm-hmm. Oath Keepers are charged by themselves, but but they coordinated with Joe Bitts, who coordinated with Alex Jones, right. who was sent there by Donald Trump. I That's mean, this right. is what you need to know. Those are the five players, right? They all coordinated. And so the way conspiracies work is, um, you know, Jessica Watkins doesn't need to know Ethan Nordeen or Donald Trump to be in a conspiracy with them. They all need to have agreed on a common goal and taken steps on that common goal. And so really what DOJ has been doing is this network of conspiracies that if they get the evidence, um, and I'm not promising they will get there, but if they get the evidence, they can plunk at least Donald Trump's close associates into. um, And who knows, maybe Donald Trump. Wow. There's so much there. And there's so much more that we haven't even touched on totally apart and separate from January 6th are the charges that New York state is investigating Trump for. I mean, there's other stuff out there. We were just talking about really the events around January 6th and the prosecutions around that. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, I can't 
recommend emptywheel.net highly enough. I do it all the time. If you want to be informed on all of this, what the DOJ is doing and um, how this January 6th committee works in emptywheel.net. You got, you're doing such a great job over there. Thank you so much for staying on top of it. And thank you for spending so much time with us today. I know I'm infringing on your holiday. Uh, I can't thank you enough. (laughs) Thanks, Nicole. Good to talk to you. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler. Come find me at NicoleSandler.com. I do a new show every weekday afternoon at 5 Eastern to Pacific. No paywall. Come listen. Check it out. And I'll be back here next time. In for Brad and Desi as they continue their holiday vacation. Must be nice. I'll leave you with the immortal words of Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.